0: episode of learnt the podcast with your hosts dr john paul and kevin allred
1: hey hey everybody welcome back for another episode of learnt i am dr john paul and i'm kevin hey kevin it's Hi. been a minute
0: yeah we had a bunch of busy weeks that we couldn't record anything <laughs> True and then pushed it back kept pushing it to another monday and now i don't know yeah. how many weeks it's been like
1: girl well you know what these people better you know what fans we love y'all but y'all better be thankful because with how busy and how crazy things have been we are barely here but we are here it is another new month new month new blessings oh right right. so yes so how have you how have you been you know i've i've been all right i've been been all right okay (laughs) yeah all right Uh, all right (laughs)
0: how have you been
1: I've been good. You know, I always tell people when people ask me, they're like, hey, how are you? Um, I always like to say I'm maintaining. And I think that that's just yeah. literally what I've been able to do these last couple of weeks. I've just been maintaining. I've been trying to keep up with the demands and trying to keep up with like, I think people think so. I There's this thing in my mind. I feel like folks who see people who are on social media and have blue checks and stuff think that their lives are just kind of gravy and everything is great and I really wish we had the time to really sit down with people and kind of sit them down and be like look girl this is really what's happening behind the veil that you don't see um and I feel that that's been what it has been for me these last couple of weeks is just really trying to keep myself in this headspace of like you have to keep going because if you don't then all of this will be in vain um and so I'm that's literally where I've been but things are good I went on vacation as you probably saw yes yeah um and I almost died in Mazatlan
0: (laughs) I love how you say that with like a big grin on your face what um what did you do or maybe you didn't do anything maybe what was what happened to you
1: (laughs) oh child the ghetto okay so I'm gonna give you all a quick rundown of what happens to me on my cruise. So let me just tell you all. I'm about oh no, I'm is this like believer. a food
0: thing? Is this a is this a food? It's a little thing? bit of everything. Oh, okay, honey. okay.
1: Okay. So I'll try to. I know we. I know we are so we are gonna be strapped for time. So I just want to make sure that I, I try to make this very concise and <laughs> and, and, and keep you all to, keep you all here in the story. So. Me and my husband took a seven-day cruise. Um, We did carnival. And first off, I always like to tell people, don't not carnival. Because there are a lot of people who not carnival for their cruises. Carnival is fun. And we met a lot of great people. I've actually made a lot of friends. We're still in touch. It's really cool. So we did a seven-day carnival cruise. Um... And it was fun. We went to Cabo. We went to Mazatlan. We went to Puerto Vallada. Um, Cabo was kind of boring. My husband, you know, he booked all of the excursions because that's just his thing. Um, I kind of went along with it. Cabo was cool. So, you know, you go to Cabo. for So basically how seven days, if anybody's never taken a seven day cruise, they usually do like one day out in sea. Then you do like three back to back days at different, you know, cities in, you know, Mexico. And then you do two more out at sea and then you come home. So we did Cabo. My husband was very antsy about wanting to eat anything. And I was kind of with him. I was like, yeah, let's not eat anything or drink anything that's not open. So we get to Mazatlan. um, And as soon as we got off of the boat, when I tell you that there was, that was a different kind of heat. I have never (laughs) in my life experienced that kind of heat before like to the point where as soon as I got off the boat I was like oh hell no I was like I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this and my husband was like it's gonna be fun so they take us on this bus to like look it's I forget what they called it but it was like a bus into this little town and it was really cute the people were beautiful the people were so nice um a lady comes out she gives us ice cream we get water uh we get to walk around Things it's called El Calite we walk around we take pictures with letters all of these different things and then we sit down and we have lunch. And so at the place where we sit down and have lunch, there's like these fans that are blowing out cool air. So I'm like, OK, thank God there's some cool air because I feel like I am about to die. My shirt is drenched. My <laughs> pants are drenched. My legs are sweating. That never happens. And so I'm just like, this is a lot. We eat and about one thirty, <laughs> my body said... Automatic shutdown. I was like, I could feel my body being like, "Oh no, ma'am, no ma'am." And I was like, "Oh no, this is not good. We can't do this. We can't do this." <laughs> I literally was about to faint. It was so hot. So by the time we like, they got me some like, they got me some you know, span like some um, some sort of like you know, I don't know what what it's called, but they got me like pedialyte. That's what they got me. They uh, gave me pedialyte. Uh, I sat down in front of the fan. I was able to cool down. They got us on the bus. We we actually ended our tour two hours earlier than what it should have ended because of how hot it was. But that was only the beginning. That evening, we went to, <laughs> yeah, we went to dinner <laughs> and we watched a show on the boat. And me and my husband both looked at each other at the same exact time. When I tell you we were both so sick, I have never, I've had other moments and I'm not going to get into it now to tell you about <laughs> what that moment looked like. I was literally at 930, I was standing in line to get cash to give tips out. And I literally said, if I don't get out of this line and get to, if I don't get off of this white carpet, in the words of of Bridesmaids, everyone's going to be angry. (laughs) And it was literally just that. So I just got, we just got really sick. We don't know if it was the ice cream. We don't know if it was the water. We don't know what we ate. Uh, We don't know if it was what we ate, but we ultimately got really sick when we were in Mazatlan. And I think it was just a mixture of like heat exhaustion. And then on top of that, maybe like the food and our bodies just not agreeing with it. Cause as Americans we're such fragile people, um, And yeah, yeah, it really was that. But otherwise, uh, Puerto Vallada was fantastic. Cabo, we had a really cool time. But otherwise, Mazatlan is just a place that I probably will never want to go back to.
0: Oh, Um, no.
1: And that's that on that. So that's really it. But that was my cruise. And so, and then that, that's that been it. And then, you know, last week I spent the whole week filming for, um, I can't say who, but I spent all Redacted. last week filming. Yes, i filming for Redacted. And then, um yeah, and then, you know, and then I'll, I'll talk about the other announcements later. But other than that, it's been an interesting month. August has been very interesting and, and somewhat kind to me, but it has also been a struggle to stay afloat. So, so yeah, so that's where we've been at for all, right. all of our listeners and fans. Yeah, so um, so what we wanted to do this episode, we're going to do a quick rundown, just a quick pop culture rundown, and then we're going to get into our actual syllabus topic for the week. Um, anything specific on your mind, girl? For
0: pop culture? Yeah. Oh, I just, I, I haven't been paying attention. I Like, this month, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just in the air or something, but I've just been feeling down (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i've tweeted out a couple times like send me some cute things or something i don't know it's just you know it's a little bit more than halfway through the year and it's just feeling like oh um so i guess my mental health hasn't been great um so i haven't really been following a ton you know Mm -hmm. i've been super annoyed at the um well, obviously, my girl, my my not my girl, my my nemesis, um, yes. my arch neme- my arch nemesis, my white girl arch nemesis. The one we
1: want. Yes, yes, re- yes. Re- released a new re- the...
0: Oh, are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't even have to say any words. Her, just you making the
1: pi- right the Piper Chapman of the, the music Piper industry. Chapman.
0: Yeah, I know because I was like, should I? No, I don't want to say her name. People will know. Who don't I'm talking say about. your name. Uh, if you say her name three times fast in a mirror, she comes (laughs) and The Um, trolls will come. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, Surprisingly, I haven't, they haven't really, maybe they've just given up on me or maybe I've blocked all of them at this point. Uh, No, whatever. She put out another album. Fine, whatever. Um, But like, I got really annoyed because I saw, I didn't watch the VMAs. I tried to tune in Mm -hmm. for a couple moments because I was interested in Normani's performance. And I was interested in obviously Missy Elliott getting the, uh, Video Vanguard, finally, finally, she's deserved right, that right. for so long. Um, yes, but you know, after the fact, seeing a bunch of well, I guess, I guess she performed this my unnamed arch nemesis, and all of these outlets were like, she made the VMAs queerer than it's ever been. She queered the VMa. I'm like, okay, first of all, stop saying queer in relation to her, because no, if anything. She gated up a little. Um, and even that was just like... I don't know. And I saw it from LGBT news outlets being like, she brought queerness to the VMA stage. And I was like, oh, I don't know. But, uh,
1: my I bigger frustration has it. been... Well, no, it's not even that. I was really upset. So, yeah. So, I mean... The VMAs were cute in a lot of senses. The only reason why I actually really enjoyed the VMAs this year is because I felt like a lot of black women got the shine they deserved. Lizzo got her shine. Oh, Megan right. Thee Stallion got her shine. Um, I felt like Missy definitely got her shine that right. she deserved. So I was really excited to see all of the black women get their, get basically get the accolades that they deserve. However, where my frustration lied in this woman's performance, and y'all all know how I feel about her too, um, my bigger struggle was in this idea that I feel like she only shows up when it's convenient for her. Um, never have I felt like an artist like her specifically has ever been in the bag of taking care of or showing up or being in the in the in the name or in the right for LGBTQ people specifically for her to have. And I think that's what burned me even more for her to have so many Black and queer people behind her. I've only ever heard her speak on it or talk about these issues. It wasn't until someone brought it up and was like, "You don't do this for queer people," that she was like, "Oh well, let me go ahead and use my first single on this new album." Right. It's just it's it felt. I didn't even see the
0: performance. What she just she had drag queens. I know, right? No, she so she
1: had she had Todrick who obviously Todrick her purse right her (laughs) purse. She had Todrick, and then she had a whole bunch of other cute black girls that I do know. A lot of black queens that I know, okay. uh, both personally and professionally. I know them, and and I was, and I just was like, okay, it's cute that you've got that bag. But I think for me, it's just kind of like I think if this is something that really frustrates me too with LGBTQ media is you know we we acted like Little Nas X didn't win Video of the Year. We acted like Little Nas That's X was right. not on the stage. So for you to talk about or even when really- came
0: in that um like Prince inspired outfit <laughs> like even. Even that moment was queerer than anything to, ooh, I almost said her name. Yeah. Anything yeah, 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 yeah. she has ever. Done. The chupacabra
1: girl. She <laughs> go <gonna> come. <laughs> the chupacabra. No. <laughs> oh, la Llorona. Um. No, no, no. She, um, <laughs> la yarona, which was a good movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it, but um oh, I overall, I I, 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 yes, it's just, it felt so fake and it felt, it feels fake. It just feels forced. And I feel that way with a lot of girls who, you know, use LGBTQ individuals to to, to leverage out their platforms. Like, it felt fake when Miley did it. It, fake fe- it felt mm-hmm. fake when, you know, and even me and my husband got into a big argument about that because I wrote an article about it. You know, he was like, you shouldn't come from Madonna that way. And I'm like, Madonna did the same shit, too, in her early 90s. Like, yeah, she did. we are not fucking handbags. Like, we are not people that you can accessorize you know, for your own stardom and then turn around and be like, oh, I support the movement when I've never heard you, I've never heard you support Glad. I've never heard you come out to an LGBTQ pride ceremony. I've never heard you talk about why we should march. You ne- you don't, I'm sure she doesn't even know who Marsha P. Johnson is. So I'm just, it's frustrating. It's just hella frustrating. Yeah, um, that's how I felt
0: about the response to Casey Musgraves. And it's not even her herself, but just like the mm-hmm. way everyone came out for her when like, next to her you had an out lesbian brandy carlisle nominated for the same award and everyone's like Mm -hmm. oh the queer one the queer uh entry one and i was like well what makes something queer is it you know the straight girl who kind of has a drag queen aesthetic you know or is it the out lesbian who yes isn't singing about being queer every second, but you know if she has a song about her daughter that she adopted with her partner to me that's a queer song if she has a song about any kind of love song that she's singing is yeah. a queer song so it's just weird that we kind of well a lot of the and I'll say it's it's like mostly gay men and yeah. and white gay men that like gravitate to these certain artists that are straight mm-hmm. women um, rather right. than the actual queer you know and everything The the actual queer identified artists don't yeah. end up getting the major opportunities it's why we always have this conversation every pride month because straight women mm-hmm. are usually booked to headline all of these things always um, and there's always. a few straight artists that are I think better at kind of dealing with that and being yeah an advocate for the community than others but um yeah I don't know. It just really bugged me when I saw especially yeah. knowing that Lil Nas X was there, was there. won yeah. these and just has this like even if he hadn't won, he has this massive record breaking right he took the record mm-hmm. from Mariah Carey and, and Boys to Men for the longest number one yeah. um forever. So whatever. Like
1: mm-hmm. that
0: on top of everything else. Like I don't even Care about the actual album and her actual music anymore? I just I find it derivative and not very interesting. I i guess people like this album. I don't know who, whatever.
1: I am uh, buying it, and I I, oh no. I am not. I'm I've definitely told people I have no interest in anything that that woman is doing. So in that in that case, we'll move on. Um, because yes, we want to give her more time than that. But otherwise, you yeah, know, shout know out. So. Yeah. Oh, so, you got yeah, the, you is, got the chicken
0: sandwich there. that everyone was talking about.
1: I did. <laughs> you oh, got to give you, your own. You, um, <laughs> yes. Uh, so we'll have a couple more updates and then we'll move on to the topic. But yes, <laughs> I did. Did you get to taste the chicken sandwich? Well,
0: I'm vegetarian. So either way, I wasn't. What? I wasn't having one. So
1: I did not know that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: We've been friends for almost a year and a half, Lord Jesus. And I still I never knew you were a vegetarian.
0: No, like okay. I mean, it doesn't really come up in conversation, except when everyone's talking about a chicken sandwich that I can't eat. <laughs> so, so then... <laughs> It's like, you know, and oh. I'm also happy that anything is out there kind of beating Chick-fil-A, so. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. Well, so I gave into the hype, so I gave into the hype, and I did get one. I got one for me, and I got one for my husband, and I had a bite of my husband's, because my husband does spicy, and I don't. I don't do anything spicy. Oh. Never like spicy. and we'll Even tried to get a, a chicken sandwich from Wendy's that was spicy this week and was really mad at myself for doing it because I did not enjoy it. Um, I just don't like spicy stuff, and so I, I did do the regular one. Um, and I have to say, like, I guess because I've never eaten at Chick-fil-A, I can't... It was hard for me because I was like, this just tastes like a regular chicken sandwich. Like, I don't see right. what the hype is. But I guess because I've never had Chick-fil-A, there was... It was really hard for me to be able to kind of put the two up against each other. Um, so, I mean... As Wait, for, tell me
0: everything... I mean not, <laughs> but what is on this chicken fried chicken okay. sandwich? Okay, so let, so me, like, walk through, yeah, let me. me walk you through. Yeah, let me walk
1: you through the the hustle of this chicken sandwich. So the struggle was. So I will tell you this. Where I live, I called as as the fat person that I am. I called several Popeyes in my area to see if they even had it. And they were like, no, we're not going to have it till September. And I was like, OK, bet. Well, I've been spending most of my time in L.A. anyway. So I was like, I'll just get one when I'm out in L.A. because I know that they have it. Um, so I called around a couple of Popeyes. I had to go out to Burbank for something the other day. Um, and I called the Popeyes. That's, that's actually probably two blocks away from where I was in Burbank. And they were like, yeah, we have it. And we don't have a line. I was like, bet. So I, I went um, for $5.99. You got 3 the chicken sandwich and you got some fries um, the little Cajun fries situation and then you got a drink and on the sandwich like I said you could get the crust that was either spicy or you could do the regular and okay. it had like a sauce on it one had like a regular mayo sauce and then the other sauce was like a aioli but it was spicy. like a Cajun aioli yeah okay and then it came with pickles, and that was it. That's
0: it. No, no lettuce, lettuce, no tomatoes, pickles no nothing. And sauce. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay.
1: And, and, like, from what I understand, it mirrors a lot of Chick-fil-A's. So, what... I've again, I've never had Chick-fil-A, so I don't know what it is. And I just kept telling people, I don't understand what the hype is. But people were like, if you've never had Chick-fil-A, it's going to be very difficult for you to enjoy <laughs> the Popeye's one. However, um I, I just haven't had the... I, I've not had the gumption enough to want to to deal with the uh, pandemonium <laughs> around it. I, and I told myself, one sandwich for me is enough. That's it. I rock hard with Wendy's. I will go to Wendy's and get a chicken sandwich. I, I fucks with KFC. I'll go to KFC to get a chicken sandwich. You know,
0: when I, I don't know if they have it anymore, but do they still have the McChicken at McDonald's? Cause I used to- Girl, yes! I, <laughs> when I was in college, I used to get a bunch of those, like the dollar menu back when it really Girl. was a dollar. Yeah, I, I spent five dollars at McDonald's, and they used to do the spicy McChicken too, which I Girl, do like spicy. Sure do. So, man, mm-hmm. I thought that one was great. So, I don't. I mean, obviously, I'm sure this one is great too, just because I don't eat chicken, I can't weigh in. But
1: it's it's just it's a know, lot of extras. but think about it. It was twenty four million dollars in free publicity. So, man, like, I, like I mean, yeah, it's, it worked.
0: It worked, and still, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I just saw a story today that someone was like. Tried to hold people at yes. point. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is a funny, but Jesus Christ! Like this sandwich it's not that is serious, doing y'all. a lot, making people do a lot
1: for it, so little. Yeah. For five ninety nine, your ass is going to jail over a five ninety nine meal when you could simply just go to Wendy's. Eight seventy eight is what they would give you for some fries, some spicy nuggets, a yeah, well, chicken sandwich, I mean, and a drink.
0: Even if they don't have the sandwich, can't you just get the, you know, like the two-piece <laughs> meal or something? And maybe like a side of bread, you could put one together yourself. I don't know. It's
1: just so much for so little. And that's literally been the theme of the year for me. People are doing a lot for you know so little. I,
0: since I usually can't. Participate in fast food discourse. Um, yeah. I did try the Impossible Burger at Burger King. The what are your one. thoughts on? I that? thought, it, I mean, I thought it tasted, from what I remember, a whopper tasting. Like fast food yeah. meat is always tastes different than like getting a burger, you know, in True. a restaurant. But I thought yeah. it was really good. So yeah,
1: you know, I had it, but that price point, girl. Well, did you, yeah, it's expensive. It is, but then I
0: so. I bought it and they accidentally gave us, I was with my sister and we were both getting one. So we got like the meal and they gave us bacon cheeseburgers instead. So obviously we're both vegetarians. We took it up and I was like, you know, we told, we said number three meal, whatever. This is bacon cheeseburger. And they said the bacon cheeseburger was more than the impossible burger. (laughs) So we actually ended up getting like a refund with it. Mm -mm, So, mm -mm. I mean, I'm used to. After being a vegetarian and seeing the prices of these fake meats, like it's obviously more expensive than um, a lot of fast food. But Mm -hmm. it was also cheaper living in New York when a restaurant gives you the Impossible Burger. It's like $19 with a couple fries. And so I was like, oh, damn, it's way cheaper than that. So
1: <laughs> right, it right, felt yeah. it know, was like t- middle of the ten, road. It was like $10 for me. And I just was like, that's a lot for Burger King. But that's just the fat in me that's like, it's fast food. It should be cheaper. But everything, right. and that's what I was telling my husband, everything is expensive now. No matter where you go. You're gonna spend at Burger King which you would spend at a Chili's. You're gonna spend yeah. the same at a Wendy's which you would probably spend at a at a um cheesecake factory or whatever. So I get it. It's it's yeah. fine, but whatever. So last last thing pop culture related, and then we'll move into our segment for this uh, for this episode. Um, did you watch the season finale of Pose and what are your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love the show. I've been yeah. I've been up and down with the second season. Yeah. I, I felt like they lost some of the love for the characters in the second season. I mean, obviously, yeah. with what happens to Candy. And there's a point to it, but there's also, like... I, I see people talking about it from both... I see val- validity in both sides. Like, doing that with a major character forces us to kind of have a conversation and talk about it and mm. see it but also they could have done it with another character right there's other reasons maybe she was leaving the show so they wanted to do it that way blah 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 um I just felt like the, the this season they're putting obviously people do go through so much like in this at this time period too but it's just been yeah a lot rougher to watch I don't know I I I don't even know how to describe it. It just felt like... I saw someone writing about Orange is the New Black saying that after about... Well, what season was it when... Spoiler alert, Poussey... um, Four. Four. So, like, this show was so great at first because it really... It, like, loved the character. You could tell that the writing and everything about it was out of love for these characters, and then they just started putting them through all this shit that yeah, these things happen in real life, but it seems, like, unnecessarily rough. And that's uh-huh. how I started to feel about the second season of Pose, I guess.
1: Yeah.
0: It's just, yeah. like, it lost a little bit of the love. And even though they're going through hard times and, you know, getting sick and feeling better, it just felt, like, rough. <laughs> Rougher.
1: <laughs> and I yeah. know that's
0: real life, so it's, like, a shitty critique to give, but also, like... yeah. I want to, ter- because the world is so terrible right now, I want a little bit, I want a little more lighthearted or like joy. And there was that in that episode where they like all take a, a girl's trip to the beach. That was.
1: Oh my God, that, that was line. the best episode not to mention of the entire franchise. Electra- yeah, not to mention uh-huh.
0: Electra's um, read of the girl the, or the, the woman the girl, that asked them to be quiet. The clam in the chowder
1: read, honey. Uh, <laughs>
0: and then she like stops to take a drink of water and keeps going that so like that you know it was so nice to have that episode and then the season finale kind of had more of that too you know blanca and Praetel makeup and then oh the the whitney houston star spangled banner jesus um lip sync at the end it was it was good and then the women judging uh the the end Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Come so judge for me. It did end judge it, for me. It,
0: it did end on a like more hopeful note. But mm-hmm. with that with that candy episode right in the middle, it really just like yeah. was hard.
1: And it was hard for me, so I knew I, I wouldn't say I knew knew, but because I had done the interview with her yeah. I had a sense that it was coming. Yeah. I just didn't know she alluded to she it. She couldn't say. Um she couldn't tell me that, yeah. uh, that Candy was leaving the show, but she basically kind of, in a very lot of, like, as I looked, as I read the the interview back, I was like, oh, she was hinting uh, that Candy's time is very limited on the show. Um, and, it's, and it's fair, because I think that that's a real thing that I think that all of the writers are really trying to get at, is that, you know, a lot of trans women, their time is, is, and I hate saying it this way, but it's a it's a truth that I think we have to kind of sit with in watching the show is that a lot of the women's time, a lot of trans women's time, you know, they're looking at the clock and they're, each day for them is a day where they have to value it more than maybe what we might even value it as queer people, because they know that at any moment it could end for them. And so I think that that's the thing that I kind of got from this season of like, you know that these trans women, even in the early nineties, was were was very 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 aware that their time that they were on like a ticking clock, you know, in terms of what their lives look like, whether it be from AIDS or whether it be from violence or you know people trying to come for them. And so I I will say that I appreciated I appreciated that we didn't end the season on the note of of um. Electra being an evil individual, I think we've seen her grow. I think yeah. we've seen her become more empathetic. I think we've seen her become a, a much more beautiful. I, I I find her to be much more funnier and much more beautiful, even in her moments where she's being mean and being shady. Yeah. Um. But I also I also understand that that also comes from the echo chamber of of survival that a lot of trans women. Have to kind of thrive through, and it's like Electra is that way because the world has made Electra that way. It's not like Elektra is just a nasty individual. No, Elektra is looking out for her best interest because that's the only way she can survive,
0: you yeah. know.
1: And I I appreciate her learning uh, out of that, you know. So, yeah, she mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I
0: probably she's been my favorite since the very beginning.
1: Well, oh, definitely.
0: No, no I can't say that because I really. Enjoy all. of the I love Blanca too. Right. Yeah, yeah. I love all of them. It and but I really did love seeing her, have like yeah. have those moments where she was where she was like missing Candy too, and right where she was bonding with them in new ways. Um,
1: yeah. And going it back and forth because she
0: never is just going to be the, you know, like the the sweet mother. <laughs> she right. she always has that, and now she has her. I love the line where. It just came to me in my head, remembering it, where they were like, "You should have flipped the table." Your signature move. She like, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Her <laughs> signature move of flipping tables, and she's like, "Oh, I forgot." Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. But
0: yeah, it, so whatever. I, I in the middle of the season, I was like, "Oof, I hope." And I do think it kind of pulled it. It turned around by the end, um, and I think that they will show that same love for the characters that they've been i don't know it just it just felt a little rough in the middle because i was like oh where are we going i don't want this to turn into and maybe that's a you know maybe that's a ryan murphy thing and people are like don't don't make them go through too too much because we Mm -hmm. just you know can't take it and then Mm -hmm. uh, it also felt that way with ricky being diagnosed right um yeah getting his test results i was like oh man here we go god here we go go again and it's real it's real so i i hate saying that as a critique but yeah i i I was just worried that maybe something that happened like what happened to orange is the new Mm -hmm. black was going to happen and by the end i hope i think they're bringing it back around
1: yeah
0: in my mind that's when ryan they have to fight ryan murphy from being like we can't make them go through everything like we have to let it be happier at at these times
1: yeah and i'm glad that they gave blanca a love story i think the one thing that's made me very happy is you know people pushing for mj rodriguez who plays blanca um to get a um to have a rom-com on twitter like a couple of weeks ago there was like this whole thing of like give mj a rom-com and i would love (laughs) to see her in a rom-com on netflix and i don't know how that would work but again Obviously, Ryan Murphy is now over at Netflix. I'm like, why can't you make that happen? So, Well, you know um, Janet
0: Mock is also producing yeah, a whole bunch yeah. of things over at Netflix, so yeah. I don't know the specifics of any of them, but I'm sure yeah. that that would be something she could be thinking about right now too mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. so i'm like give mj a rom-com we would love to see it so that is our pop culture rundown for <laughs> this episode so now we are going to move into um the syllabus so um this week i have brought up to um kevin that i listen to a lot of podcasts and And a lot of the podcasts that I've listened to that I love, I want to shout them out. I listened to the friend zone. I listened to Jade and XD, um, getting grown, all of the different podcasts that, you know, um, oh, uh, never would never, never fail to forget. uh, my other friends, Char and Jace, their podcast kiss and tell network they've done. A lot of them have done conversations around like, what would you tell your 20 year old self? And you know, what would, what are the things that you've learned? Um, but I think kept me and Kevin as we were talking about it today. Kevin brought up an interesting point about you know loving and liking their twenty year old self a little bit more. So I would love to kind of like do in our syllabus a, a kind of a talk around um, who were we who were we when we were younger um, and what are the things that we loved that we celebrated maybe things that we've gotten away from and ultimately what are we what do we take from it now like now that we are where we are in terms of our age what are the things that we've learned what are the some of the things that we've been through and ultimately um what we could ultimately share with the listeners this week about what we can take from you know from those times a lot of people look to us for advice and so i think it'd be really cool so um i guess the first question that i have um for you kevin if you want to give your perspective um outside of just giving advice and and talking about who you were at 20 what um what has changed or what would you have changed about your 20s if anything
0: About the whole decade of my 20s or just... I guess. Anything.
1: Wherever you want to start, girl. Oh, boy.
0: So, at 20, I... So, when you brought this subject up, I was like, ooh, I... I," Like, as... What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Which is always what, like, oh, we've learned and grown and you know that 20 year old kid should know this i was like oh damn i think my 20 year old self had more figured out than i do now uh, later um mm-hmm. that's not really true but at 20 i was where was i i guess i was in college um i was like this punk kid with weird colored hair and i didn't have any of my tattoos yet um I was always playing my guitar and writing little punk folk songs, um, political. I was very political and outspoken and kind of had two fingers up, middle fingers up to the world at all times. Um, because I, you know, I was raised in Utah. I had a whole deal coming out. I came out when I was 18 So then I was just like, who cares? I'm going to, you know, fuck everything. The whole world needs to know. I was very outspoken. And not to say that, like, I had everything figured out. I still don't really think I have everything figured out, nor have I worked through all the weird shit that growing up kind of in a cult religion, uh, what I would call a cult religion, did to me. But at that point in time, I was just like really going as far opposite as I could yeah. and I think I like I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything that I did I was like trying to be a musician uh, driving around playing little shows in coffee shops and bars and whatever I just think mm-hmm. now I would tell myself to go harder because I was even though yeah. it looked to other people like... I was doing all these things. I was holding my... I was still holding back and not, like, trying as hard as I could because I always have this... I mean, so many people do where it's like you want something and you love something. And for me, that was music. Um, But you don't actually try as hard as you can because if you try Mm -hmm. as hard as you can and fail, there's no excuse. But if you don't, you could be like, oh, I, I... You know, I tried, but, like, I was always doing other things. And that's truly what I was doing. Like, I also was going to school. Not that I would say don't go to college. Actually, maybe I would.
1: Girl, I was going to say, that's actually part of the advice that I want to give when it comes time to me. Like, I would have rethought college altogether. But go on.
0: I mean, I definitely would reconsider graduate school. Um, Because I took a year in between high school and... And college, and now actually thinking about it, I probably would say you should you should have took taken longer. You should have thought about mm-hmm. it and and just tried to do one all the way without trying yeah. to do both kind of halfway. because um, I sometimes think, or I see old pictures. Actually, when it happens, is when I see old pictures of myself, um, and I'm like, oh, d- who is that kid? Like, I mm-hmm. I know that was me, but and i remember me at that time but i just wish i would have gone a little harder for it i guess not to yeah. say that it's ever too late blah 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 i don't want to get all like hippy dippy about that uh, <laughs> i still play i still i but i don't actually write much music anymore now my writing is mm-hmm. different and i wish i could get well i can i just have to do it i i <laughs> i want to bring that aspect more back into my life. Cause now I like write about music or write about Beyonce, but I also enjoy writing music itself. And
1: mm.
0: that part, I guess I feel like that part has like part of why I don't feel balanced really anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, that, that's a whole long answer to say, you know, I wouldn't have in terms of being queer or any of that. I think I was on the right track when I was 18 at that point. I just would have told myself not to worry so much. Um, but again, that's about wor- working through the stuff that religion did to me. Um,
1: right. Yeah. Because
0: I would have told them to go to therapy at 18.
1: <laughs> I look, I would have told, and I, and that's the funny thing. So in my, even in my responses, I was thinking about the question, um, I had even, I was in therapy at 18, you know, I was, I was, it was a college basically because of everything that had happened with me living on campus. It was a, I had to, I had to be in therapy and it was okay. I'm glad I was, you know, the, the the gentleman who helped me at the time, um, I'm still forever thankful for him. Um, I'm still very much connected to him in a lot of the stuff that I do. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, ethical or not, but he's been a very (laughs) big support in a lot of the stuff that I've done. Um, But I say all of that to say, I think a big, a a lot of what you just said was a lot of the same that had resonated with me. And I think about it a lot. Um, I'll catch myself, you know, I sing naturally, just it's a thing for me. I've always been a singer. Um, My family knows I sing. My friends know I sing. Um, I got, and and then it just got to a place where I, 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 I don't know if it was being discouraged or I don't know if it was just me not believing I was a good enough uh, that I would ever make it because everyone used to tell me you know gay people don't make it in the industry gay people Mm. don't make it in the music industry and you know now seeing little Nas X get his shine fantastic I'm happy for him but you know I still think about that a lot you know of how discouraged I was in college you know around my singing voice and my presence as a queer black person who -hmm. who was very very effeminate as a singer right Um, and people saying you know Elton John can do it but again Elton John was white you know there are a lot of the folks that have made it in the music industry were white individuals who were queer and so i've always had this weird like rub up against of loving entertainment but always being very afraid of it because of who i was and i think if i would have been able to go back and tapped my 19 20 year old self i would have said okay you're in a com program you're doing pr move as soon as you're done Leave, go to L.A., get your experience and do what you have to do. You are going to stifle yourself if you stay where you are. Mm. Um, and, and, and am I grateful that I am where I am now? I mean, I still live where I uh, partly still live very close to where I went to college. And I'm very thankful that I st- I can drive out to L.A. and I do have all of the connects that I have in L.A., even the connects that I have in New York. Um, but I think I would have been a lot more forward if I didn't let... Um, if I didn't let myself get inside my own head and, and talk myself out of the things that I wanted to do. And I think I've been, I had processed this out in therapy. I've been very vocal about what I'm learning in therapy. Um, my therapist, we had a really deep conversation around that little voice. And I, t- I told her, I said, you know, she had asked me in therapy last week, she said, when was the first time that somebody made you feel lesser than you were? And I explained to her this whole situation around what an uncle of mine had said to me and how that played out. A big part of that also was in my, my TED talk. Um, but I told her, I said, you know, at the age of seven, my uncle told me I'd never amount to anything. And even with all of the great things that I've accomplished, right, all the places I've written, you know, all of the people I'm currently working with, all of these things, that voice will always kind of play in the back of my head. And so I wish that I would have, at the age of like 20, 21, sat with that statement and really unpacked it and really, really thought about how it was going to like manifest itself in different ways of my life, even down to like. You know, and I don't say this to be disparaging to my partner, but even in the ways that I love, right? Like mm. the ways that I dated in my 20s, the, the the partners I picked before I met my husband. Now, like I probably would have been a lot different of a person if I would have unpacked all of the things and all of the ways the world told me that I wasn't valuable. And if I could have come to terms with what that value was prior to becoming who Dr. John Paul is now. And so I think that that's been a big part of my journey right now. And that's what I would have told, I would tell anybody who's in their 20s at this point, like... It is so important outside of, you know, it's just real. No matter how many degrees you get, no matter what job you get, no matter how much money you have, if you are not in a place where you are dealing with the shit that life has thrown at you, you will never be happy. And I think that that's something that I'm really coming to terms with now, right? Like I have two big ass things on my plate right now and everyone else that I can tell, I can't say it publicly, but the people Mm. that I can tell are celebrating the hell out of it. And I'm still in this head space of like, it's not enough. And I realized that it, what it is, is it's me going back to those moments where family and friends said things to me that made me feel small. And mm. so I think it is imperative and important for me to say, like, if that's the, any advice I could give to anybody, like start with a therapist, if you can afford it. And if you can't start journaling it out, journal out what you want to do, go for it, do the things that, you know, cause when you become 30, my age, I'm 34, I, you are 36. Okay. So older you're 36. Um you're 36. Okay. So plus two. Um, you're 36. <laughs> yeah, plus 2. Yeah. So so 38. Okay. So you're 4 years older than me. And I think with that being said, I think that that's been like the biggest thing. It's like when you get to be 34, 35, 36, you're I would say mid 30s. When you get to your mid 30s or late 30s, your life is so set. It's really hard to go back and say, "Let me start over. Let me do this again." Um and so I think that that's the the first piece of advice to give you know Mm. I would change my outlook on things and I would say like you need to start seeing your life the way you want to see it versus living your life and seeing your life the way you think other people would want you to see it Mm. that for me is what's so important so Um, yeah so yeah the next question that I have um, for us I would say is what's one thing no one taught you that you had to learn on your own hmm
0: I mean I feel like that's how we I don't Oh, do you already know yours? I you came I up do. with the question, so you know. Okay, I let do. me think from that.
1: You you go okay, first. I'll go. Okay. Yeah. So I think for me, the one thing that I, I, I guess I'm coming to terms with now and I, I say 34 not to say like 34 is old, because it's really not. I don't even think 50s or 60s are old. Um I think I think for me the one thing that I had to learn that nobody taught me was that doing all of the stuff that life tells you to do is still not going to find you success. And mm. I think that's one thing that we, we, we posit people for failure in that So It's like, go to college, get married, have family, like, you know, invest here and save your money and do all of this. And it's like, we, we tell people what to do, but we never tell them the other side of it, right? Like, if I would have known that I was going to accrue all of this debt mm-hmm. from college and that I would not be able to go out and get a job that would truly make me feel like I made enough money to survive. I would have said fuck grad school because the thing is, is like nobody told me like, oh, just a second, like even if you get that doctorate degree, Dr. Higgins, You're still going to have to deal with racism. You're still going to have to deal with LGBTQ, um, you know, sexism. You're still going to have to deal with being effeminate and not being able to speak truth. You're still going to deal with respectability politics. Like, nobody told me that. And so Mm -hmm. now being 34, I was just actually having a conversation with some friends who worked over at CNN. We were talking about this yesterday. Like, I, I explained to them, I said, I think... The one reason, the one thing that I will always hold true is the reason why I have such a hard time is because I am that one person in, in the room that's going, okay, this is the truth and all of you are dancing around it, but I'm going to admon- <laughs> admonish it and I'm going to acknowledge it. And I think that that's the other piece of like life that I wish that someone would have tapped me and said, girl, you keep telling the truth and people are mad at you and that's the reason why mm. they're doing what they're doing and i think that that's what it is we're we're all sold a dream at one point in our lives and a lot of us live in that dream and so i think that that's the thing it's like there's a there's a fine line between having a dream and making a dream a reality yes like your career or having a family or having friends but there's also the dreams that we live in then there's a part of reality that follows that and a lot of us live in the dream of oh if i just play the game as a minoritized individual everything will work out in my accords and it's like girl no like these people the moment you speak up too loudly the moment that you show up too proudly they're going to do whatever they can to cut you down um and that's what i think i'm really coming to terms with now it's like you know It's hard for me because sometimes I look at my bank account and I go, this is some bullshit. But then there are some other parts of my life where I go, I'm so happy to be who I am and to be happy... To be the person that has gone through what I have gone through to get to this point, because now I can tell other people whether you like it or not, this is the truth. And my job in this world is to lead by that. Um, and if it means that I'm forever going to have to take five hundred dollar checks to to pay my rent, then that's what I have to do. But I think for me, it's you know I I'm I'm definitely grateful that I've been able to come to terms with the lies and the ways that the world has sold me one thing and how I've come to find truth in that. Um, in my journey. So that's just my thought on that, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it also makes
0: me feel like, well, as you were talking, it made me think about, you know, I'm I'm a white guy, so I'm not having to deal with racism. I mean, I'm still dealing with it in other ways, not against mm-hmm. me, but, like, you know, white people are still impacted, I guess, by yeah, by a culture of white supremacy and all that, da, da 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 da. Um, but there's still, you know, I thought when I was young it was so, and I still believe, like, I, I thought that it was so brave and to tell the truth, like, speak out, speak against power, and do that. Well, I still believe that, but what I didn't know is that there's these correct ways. Well, also, caveat, p uh, uh, asterisk. It was a whole lot different time when we mm. were 20 than it is now. So we just have to yes. mark that because today on social media, you know, there was no Twitter. I was not on, I don't even know if we had MySpace yet when I was 20. No, I don't think so. Ooh, I, I think girl. that came later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Right? I was just excited when we got email when I was in high school.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, cell phones. I got my first one probably when I was about 19 or 20. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still like what I didn't know or think about was there's still correct ways or or ways that people will allow you to challenge power um, and speak out. And this isn't necessarily a positive or negative, but and there's certain people that they allow to say certain things and other people can't say those things. And, you know, so not that I would change anything, um about anything I've said or done, but mm-hmm. it's it's a strange lesson to have to learn like some white people that want to do like speak out against racism are made the white people the the, the correct white people that are doing it. Others go too far or say too much or get fired cuz they hate Donald Trump from their teaching job. Um, you know, all of these things. So I guess it's just that there's so much more. It's not so black and white as speaking out against power and going along. There's like fifteen thousand different gradients of all of that. Yeah. Um
1: Yeah.
0: But the so that came to my mind while I was listening to you talk and the other thing that I I that nobody taught me that I had to teach myself it was even way before I I was twenty, when I was like becoming a teenager, I think. Although I started to do it earlier, was just to have my own opinion and think for myself. And oh, I'm sure yes. this goes with you know you being raised, um, as Jehovah's Witness, like raising yeah. raised as a Mormon. We were taught that this is the way. You don't question the way. The way. Yeah. And you yeah. know, I I vividly remember. Right. So so Mormons very conservative. I'm not. I would wager that 95 plus percent of Mormons vote Republican and are, you know, I I find it very Mm -hmm. difficult to, to hold, it would be very difficult to hold liberal values and still believe in everything the Mormon church teaches. But there, there are, I knew a couple like Mormon Democrats growing up anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I vividly remember this moment when I first heard, this is sounds so cheesy you know, I was very into, like, the Lilith Fair folk music revive, the girls with guitars, the white girl. it was mostly white <laughs> girls with guitars. There were some, uh, you know, non-white girls. Uh, but, you know, that, for me, was this very, like, Expressive moment that I got really into. Um, yeah.
1: Come on, Paula Cole. You know, Paula. Yeah. I just, bought,
0: I just, I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> do, 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 I just do, bought do, do, some do, do, tickets to do, go do, do. see Paula Cole next month.
1: Where have all the cowboys gone? You know, Sean Cole yes, and Sunny came yes. home. Sha- I
0: love that song. Yes, burn it um, down,
1: girl, burn it down.
0: Anyway, Annie DeFranco, <laughs> the the the, mm-hmm. the you know the indie punk girl. Uh, yeah. Has this like spoken word? So I got really into her music because it was like making me feel something because I love music that just makes you feel something. And then I, I remember these politics coming into it and me feeling very like, oh, my God. The same thing happened with Ellen DeGeneres when she came out and I was very much not supposed to think being gay was an OK thing. Uh, obviously, I was still dealing with myself at the time or not even right. knowing that I was gay, um, but finding her show so funny and then her coming out and me being like, whoa, right like you had to you had to create your own opinion about what was happening and i was like well she's still funny like what nothing changed and in ani defranco's music i would come across this stuff about like uh abortion rights or or her, t- her telling her story of having an abortion and i was like whoa that's not okay people aren't supposed to have abortions that's murder you know all of these talking points that the mormons tell you and then i was like wait a minute and hearing it from someone that i respected or whose music was speaking to me I was like wait why do I think that it's bad and then I dove into it like I guess this isn't a unique thing a lot of people especially people that grow up very religious um, come to have to have to come to learn to think for themselves Uh, and I mean I guess it's just learning how to think critically which I'm still trying to teach students in college and people still have a difficult time I I find maybe it's even becoming more difficult with social media um, because you're being told and not even in a religious context. You're just being told what to think politically,
1: mm-hmm.
0: sometimes religiously or just pop culturally. Um, and so that is a, a major lesson that I didn't even yeah. think about was such a moment, but it really was. Mm. Yeah.
1: I think I think I love I love that you spoke to that because I and I I don't want to go too long on it but I think it's Really imperative, and it's really important for us to like really start thinking about. I think that that's the one thing I would also tell anybody who's in their twenties or they're even in their thirties now that's going into a, a, you know a part of their life. I think so many of us, and I talk about this a lot as a speaker, as somebody who travels a lot and talks a lot about um, you know unlearning. I think a big part of it is really thinking about what is critical thinking and yeah. how have we been taught as people. And I think that's what you are really speaking to. You're speaking to this world of like how to think for yourself and. I think that's the one thing in the age of 20 that i really i I guess now that i'm 34 i've really learned to own is i don't think that way because someone else told me that way i think this way because i know it to be true and if other people in the room feel uncomfortable with me thinking or, or even sharing my truth around my thoughts That is not my responsibility to make other people feel like they have to buy into it. And so just really challenging folks and, you know, the young specifically, and I think it's really interesting because we do have such a young following around this podcast where we don't have, you know, a lot of people reaching out to us being like, oh, hey, you know, X, Y, and Z, and this is what we need. And thank you for this. But I have had folks reach out to us that are in their early 20s or in college that have said your episode on X really helped me open my eyes on this or your episode on that has really opened my eyes on that. And so for a lot of our younger listeners, like I really want to ad- admonish you to really start thinking about, do I believe this to be true because I've been told to think this is true or is this true because I've learned it to be true and it's something that I truly want to hold on to. So yeah, that was just the thought. Um, the last question that I have before we get into the sandbox is, um, or the we move into our playground segment um, is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received um, in relation to just being who you are now, or even in your twenties, what was is, has there ever been any good advice that you've been given?
0: No, no, <laughs> just uh...
1: <laughs> you're like it's all been trash. Like, no. I don't,
0: I don't remember moments where someone like sits me down and gives me advice. You know, maybe because they yeah. didn't happen.
1: I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. What's yours? So I think, yeah, I thought about this really quickly as I was thinking about everything else. And I think the best piece of advice someone has ever given me um, was to, one, again, I always say the best part of my life has been finding a Black therapist. Um, But I think one thing that she had said to me that has really stuck out to me, this didn't even happen to me in my 20s, but um, it, it was kind of a segue of me walking into this conversation. So in my 20s, I was very, very, I had a a lot of my emotions were very visceral because of, um, a lot of the emotional damage that I had, had dealt with. I was dealing with emotional damage from my religion, dealing with emotional damage from the men that I was involved with and in and through college, um, the ways that I had really started to beat myself up. Um, and I just really just became this really, like, even before I had met you, I was just this really mean, um person and I would use comedy to kind of mask the meanness that I would have, like cracking a joke. And and as you know, I'm very funny and I find kind of humor in everything. But a lot of my humor has been was very dark hearted. Um, and I had said something in therapy a couple of, about a year ago, and my therapist looked at me and she just was like, girl, when are you going to get out of the ring? You always come in here ready to fight, like get out of the ring. And she was like, what I want you to do is I really want you to start focusing on being the person who runs the ring versus being the person who's in it. And that shit blew my mind Um, because, you know, as a black person, as a queer person, as a fat person, everyone's taking jabs at you, right? Like everyone's always looking to take a jab. And so I became, you know, even in high school, I was that girl that could cut you down with one simple joke because I learned very quickly, that if I could make people laugh and if I could make people take the attention away from me, then I was. It was. It was easy for me to survive and to thrive. And so I think hmm. that's why my nature of comedy is so dark-hearted in a lot of ways. And I've had to work my way out of that. But even in that, right there's still a sense of angst. There's still an angst of fighting that I that I have. And so. I think being told to get out of the ring and being reminded by people that I knew in my 20s that, you know, my life is much better now and that I can be thankful and be grateful and I don't always have to kind of go back to the 25-year-old me who was hungry and broke and sad and, you know, felt lonely all the damn time. Um, that my life is good now, you know? And I think that that's been it. Like, stop being so focused on... Um, so being so focused on what happened to me in years past and really focusing on what's happening to me now and how do I move forward with that from what I've learned from, you know, my 20s. So I just think about that a lot, right? Like really not being so quick to fight, not being so quick to, to, to really come for people or to cut people down and really just coming to terms with the fact that life is good now and, and, and being okay with that, you know? Mm. So, yeah. What about
0: you? I mean, I don't even know if anyone told me this, but now I'm just like thinking about myself um and I feel like in my 20s I held on to a lot of relations I'm talking about like romantic or you know mm-hmm. not friend relationships but but boyfriends that I didn't need to and I dated people I I didn't really want to because I thought well, you're gay and you grew up in Utah, so, like, how many people are even out... Well, I was still living in Utah some of this time, too, so it's like, you know, you don't realize how much of your time you spend uh, just kind of miserable, thinking that you're supposed to be in a relationship. And I also grew up with two parents that didn't really like each other and still don't really like each other, but they're still married. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Mm. Uh... they're a little bit more vocal about not liking each other, but it was very clear from to me growing up. I was that kid that, you know, people were telling me how sad it was that if their parents were getting a divorce and I was saying, oh, man, I wish my parents would get a divorce because it was just clear. <laughs> I mean, I did. I asked them, why don't you guys get a divorce? <laughs> um, yeah, if
1: you hate each other so much, just leave. Because well, it's yeah, so yeah, yeah. clear.
0: And it wasn't, you know, there was no, like, physical abuse or whatever, but they're just
1: mm-hmm.
0: mean I mean, I would, I would categorize a lot of what happened as emotional abuse. Um, yeah. Uh, and, again, it's part of their whole religious context. So, you know, my mom didn't think she could leave because she's also very conditioned by being raised Mormon, da-da-da-da. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I would I'd just, in terms of all of this, I would be like, it sounds so Oprah Winfrey, blah, blah, blah. Like, you are enough. Just yeah. you yeah. are enough. Um and you'll enjoy yourself so much more being comfortable alone than you will being, you know, miserable with someone else. Or maybe the advice is that relations aren't, relationships aren't supposed to feel miserable. People are like, well, that's just how love feels. It's like hard and mm-hmm. rough. and <laughs> But it's not. And I think it, it, it's an even harder lesson for for anyone who's not heterosexual, you know, in a traditional Relationship. Um, because yeah, you, I mean, maybe I took the advice from reading Octavia Butler when she said, uh, in some interview somewhere, I can't remember what, but she was like, you know, people thought she was a lesbian cause she's kind of masculine presenting. And she goes, even I thought I was a lesbian for a long time. Um, so I went to this LGBT meeting in LA and I didn't like it there either. And she's like, I just realized I enjoy my own company more than other people's. And I was like, Oh damn, that is so mm-hmm. such a, like, that is, was a revelation to me. Cause I was like, Oh, I can just enjoy my own company. I mean, obviously I have, right. I'm in a relationship and it's good and <laughs> all of that. But it's once you realize you can just enjoy your own company that, Thing, other things f- fall into place so um that's a word yeah that is a word so I, I guess i took that advice from octavia butler even though she didn't tell it to me in person i just read it um yeah
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I, I love that. I love, you know, I think we get to this place of, you know, specifically for queer people, like dating is terrible. A lot of people have made comments about the way that, you know, social is set up now and how it's been awful. But I think that's that's a great way to like kind of end the segment is this idea of like the best part of learning and understanding and coming to is really those moments when you kind of can step back and just be by yourself and i i felt that way this weekend i actually went to vegas this weekend to visit some family but i was in the car by myself for like three and a half hours going up and three and a half hours coming back down and just that six hours of being by myself the moments when i was in my hotel room by myself the moments when i would go out into the city and buy things you know before i would go see my family and stuff like It's so important and it's so needed for you to like cut back, you know, to really come back to yourself. And so I think that's also like the last bit of advice that I'd want to give to people is make time for yourself. Like if you feel like you're giving a lot of yourself to people now, even in like your 20s, cut that pattern out because that's going to become a pattern the entire um, like throughout the rest of your life where you're giving so much to people and because and and, and really it's okay for you to kind of step back and say you know what no i need this time for myself and if you feel a way about it feel a way about it but overall i just need to be alone and so i love that you say that because i think that's the one thing i wish somebody would have told me at 20 it's like girl you're by yourself and that's okay enjoy that time yeah. love it because when you get older and you move in with somebody or you now have to be in rooms with people all the time all day every day you're not gonna have this piece yeah. you know so really enjoy it and i i don't think that i, so I, I love that advice that's such good advice um all right. So we are at the tail end of the podcast this week. Um any any qualms, any thoughts, anything that's been uh grinding your gears in relation to the playground? <laughs>
0: yeah. But I feel like my my major gripes the last couple of weeks are 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 are, mm-hmm. are more substantive that they might need to be their own episode of a podcast rather than okay. they're like, you know, okay. th- they're bigger. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from, you know, w- well, I, I don't know. Did I say this last time or maybe I tweeted it or something, but um, headphones, right? So headphones are ubiquitous. <laughs> did I say that? Did I say this before? No, but you but already go know off what now. I'm going to say. Like, I, I... already know. I understand. We all wear headphones. You know, sometimes headphones are a way to be safe on the street. And, well, you also need to be aware of what's around you. But, like, you know, safe in terms of not even when you do hear someone, like, again. especially women on the street and other groups of people. Um, right. So you don't have to interact, right? I get the use of headphones. I love headphones. I love music. I want to always be hearing that. But if mm-hmm. you are going through a checkout line or ordering something from someone it you just have to take the headphones out or the, even if it's just your phone up to your f- your face I need you to just have 30 seconds of a human interaction without the headphones even if it's just one out Like, and now that they're yeah. the wireless ones people never remove them at all and I just I don't want us to be that technological <laughs> yet dependent yeah. yet Right? We used mm-hmm. to have the Bluetooth that people would have, but they were all, always only in one ear. But now,
1: yeah. it's the headphones. Like the AirPods.
0: The AirPods, or even just when people are wearing like big old giant mm-hmm. headphones. Just take them off to say something to an, the other person. I don't know. I just find it so rude when people cannot be bothered to take the headphones off or to just tell the person that you're on the phone with to hold on for 30 seconds. We're like, i am Well, I'll take a blah-blah coffee. And da-da-da-da-da. i am like, are you talking? Who are you talking to here? Someone needs to take your order. Like, I don't know.
1: Girl, put the phone down. Put the phone
0: down. Take your headphones. At least one. At least one.
1: I agree. I see people walking around with AirPods on and I'm like, why? Like, the, and it's it's really frustrating to me when I see people in large groups with them in their ear. It's like you're in a big right. group of people. Why? Yeah, it's like you're in. A, and I see multiple. I've seen couples with AirPods the in clip. their ears walking around together, and I'm going, why? Like, yeah. I, is it a status symbol? Is it because AirPods are only 160 dollars, girl? They're not like they for 500. I like bought some. Out your ear. I bought
0: some 10 dollar knockoff ones, and they look well. Mine are yeah. black instead of white, but you could buy ones that are white. They look the damn
1: same. So I don't know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> (laughs) So stupid. Um, So I, my, 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 I guess it's a petty peeve. I don't know. and I don't know if it's a gripe either. Mine is not necessarily similar, but it is similar. So I have been frustrated when I think about, so this is the thing. Um, I am. I, I find myself being out and about a lot because I have like a lot of errands to run. And specifically being a freelancer, I don't always have the same schedule that everyone else has. So I'm always out and about randomly doing stuff. And I think the one thing that I have noticed as I'm out and about running errands most of the days that I found is that customer service as a whole is shit. Oh, yeah. And I think it's, it's extremely frustrating to me when I'm standing somewhere... Um, this is kind of a two-parter when I'm standing somewhere and I'm like looking around and I'm like waiting for someone to ask me for help. Cause I don't want to be that person that runs up on somebody who's doing something else and be like, Hey, can you help oh, me? Right. Like, I want to make sure I, I, I don't, that, that really bugs me too. When I see people do it. So I don't do that. I never run up on people and be like, yo, I need your help. But I think it's really frustrating to me that I have been in like, I don't say not necessarily so much Target, but I have been in like Subway or I've been in a different, different places and people are clearly working there and they're just standing there like looking at you. And I'm like, um, can you help me? Like, is it, you're on the clock and no shade, but like, I just need a little bit of help over here. So that's the other part. The other thing that has been really driving me crazy is when you ask for like extra stuff, And people get attitude, specifically customer service, people get an attitude with you about needing extra stuff. So I was somewhere recently and I had asked for guacamole on something and they were just like, you know, they were like, it's extra. And I was like, yeah, I know the avocado is extra on my, my sandwich, but can you please just put it there? And then like the other side of it is like the way that they did it, it was so like huff and puff. So it's like if, if I as a customer, it's like I'm not coming in with an attitude as the customer. I understand most people are shitty and I know most people are not giving you the respect you deserve in customer service. <laughs> it is terrible. Yes, customer service is bad. People are awful and the people, the world is awful. Shit, our president is awful but if i'm coming to you with kindness and i'm asking you for help please match me with the same kindness like i i i i I didn't come in here and give you an attitude Mm -hmm. as a customer Please don't let those other customers that has pissed you off throughout the day become a reflection of the interaction I have with you. So that's really just my, like, if if, if if I'm asking you to do something extra and I'm asking for you to do it nicely, please just return the same energy to me. And I think that should be an overall thing. I think that's yeah. really been it. Like, match the energy, you know? Match the energy, please.
0: Not to get so. to girls with guitars again, but it just made me mm-hmm. think I'm, like, reliving. I guess I am reliving my, like, Teenage to twenty, early twenty years with my music lately because I've been listening to all that same like, uh, oh my god, what's the word? Reminiscing with all that music, being yeah. like, oh, mm-hmm. um, but that just made me think of another Ani DeFranco quote from one of her songs where she's like, maybe you, maybe you don't like your job, maybe you didn't get enough sleep. Well, nobody likes their job, nobody got enough sleep. Um, yeah, maybe you just had the worst day of your life. But that's no escape and it's no excuse to suck it up and be nice or something like, I don't know, in the song. But it's like, yeah, you know, I'm having... It's
1: really that easy. We're all
0: having... Nobody likes their job anymore. Nobody's having a good time. Shit,
1: even as a freelancer, most of the days I don't like my job. So it's just, its yeah. we all have to do things we don't want to do. But like I said, I'm just in this place of like, please match the energy. Like, if I'm being kind to you, please be kind to me. Um, and, and vice versa. Like, if you're going to, like, I also love how some people are really rude in customer service. And then they act like me as a customer is not supposed to pop off and say anything. Like, if you're going to be rude to me, I'm going to match you with the same energy. So just thinking about it that way. So. All right, so we have reached the end of this episode. Um, Any announcements you want to tell our guest girl? Anything fun coming up? Anything they should know?
0: Actually, you know what? I am going to be in Toronto next month. It's still early September, but October
1: Mm.
0: 21st um, at the Toronto Public Library. It's a whole (laughs) Beyonce event. Um, Wow. It will be a panel with me, Michael Arsenault, who wrote, I can't date Jesus. Um, Beyonce's mm-hmm. in the subtitle. I, I can't remember. It's a long subtitle. Um, uh-huh. And Omashike Tinsley, who wrote another, she taught a Beyonce course. It was called like Rihanna okay. Womanism, Beyonce Feminism at UT Austin. And has a book about that. Um, and I think it's moderated by Kim Milant. Kim Katrine Milan or something like that. Oh, I love right. her. She's yeah. married to Tique Milan, I believe. Yeah,
1: she's yes, yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's gonna be a really cool, and it's if you're in Toronto or wanting to be there for the 21st, it's free, but you have to get, you have to um, reserve a ticket on RSVP. their website. Yeah, RSVP on their website. <laughs> I think the tickets are open to the public um, at the towards the end of the month. I'll I'll tweet about it whenever it's up. Um, that's the that's my major thing there's other stuff coming up but it's not for a while so
1: hey cool that is so cool um and i would say send all my love and regards kim is a good friend of mine um in terms of like we chat on social media all the time i don't really know michael very well but i do love michael's work and i love their articles and their, their, their thoughts so that'll be really really cool i'm really proud of you um in terms for me it sucks because I'm under so many NDAs. Um, I really Do you want me can't say to just say, put a long so...
0: beep over this as if you're saying it but it's being beeped out.
1: <laughs> no, but I can't announce um I am a I am now considered faculty for the New York Philharmonic oh, yeah, in Los Angeles. So yeah, ID so I announced that. No, gosh. Yeah. So it was actually a little a visitor sign in. Uh, I go for my official um, ID card next week. Um, but it's really cool, um, to, to know that I will be having such a, you know, a, my work now can be directly influencing the way, um, so, you know, cause I mean, there, a lot of big films have come out of people and students who have been a part of the New York Film Academy mm-hmm. um, and so it's really cool that they, I'm the first like the, I'm the very first class that they get and I'm hoping that in my class I can help and use the the, the curriculum to really shape them and challenge them in the ways that they think about entertainment and hopefully shaping and re, and, and and reshaping the way we, we look at film and we look at the ways that we tell stories both on television and in film so I'm really 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 excited about that um, there are two other things um, I actually just got an email from one of the things and so I'm just kind of like I need to get it back to them um but there's that and then um I should be able to announce I'll probably have to announce it after the event um I'm doing something next week with a very 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 big brand next week um but I can't say anything publicly about what that is (laughs) for various reasons. So once it happens, then I'll be able to probably just allude to what I did and with who, and then I have to move on because again, the NDA will follow me. So um, yeah, there's just, it's a very interesting world to live in now where it's like, Hey, can you do this? But you can't can't tell tell anybody. And I'm like, the fuck with it why did you ask me so i it's it's cute it's really cute but um yeah there's that so once i can announce it i will but overall um i'm out here working and hustling for the for the the gold and for the great of us but otherwise that's really it so um yeah with that being said we thank you for listening to this episode please take care of yourself um and continue, oh gosh, yeah, before we get off, I just wanted to shout out, or not necessarily shout out, but send prayers to everybody who yeah. is both in the Bahamas and the folks who are on the coastline in um, Dorian's way. I guess they said it was knocked down to like a category, it was supposed to drop to a category two, um, and Dorian is still at like a category four slash five. And so it's really, really a really scary time for, for people that are on the East Coast. And I just wanted to send my love Um to them for that. And then also there's been a couple of shootings and things I hate ending on a down note, but just wanting to send my love and my thoughts to those who are genuinely affected by what's happening and what continues to happen around Texas and other, um, states. So, yeah, so just, again, I say this lovingly and to, to not end on a a negative note, but please take care of yourself, stay aware, um, and be kind to one another. The world is nuts. So, um, with that, we will catch you on another episode And again, thank you for listening Take care Bye, Bye. I heard the sound of your bike As your wheels hit the gravel And then your
0: engine in the driveway Cutting off And I pushed through the screen door And I stood out on the porch Thinking fight, fight, fight At all costs But instead I let you in Just like I've always done And I sat you down and offered you a Cross kitchen table, I fired several rounds,
1: but you are still sitting there and